With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Claret and Blue podcast. We've just seen Villa draw 1-1 with Newcastle thanks to an El Mohamedy goal. Uh, which makes this podcast slightly less depressing than it would have been if he'd not come on and scored. Matt, what do you think of the game? I've, I've put a little post out on social media asking whether we think one point is enough or whether it's good enough there. My kind of first uh, thought is that it's not enough and I think it was a, a must-win game at all costs, but it's a point for Villa, another point towards safety and that total that we're aiming for, but with the fixtures we've got coming up, it, it looks a bit bleak, doesn't it now? I think it looks bleak in terms of the point, the points tally, um, because you're right, it, it's not enough in terms of picking up points and, and trying to start up in instalments. I took a little bit of encouragement from 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 the performance, whereas against Chelsea, obviously there was a kind of there was kind of expectancy that it was going to we're going to end up with no points, but I felt Chelsea was no points and no hope. I. I, I found Newcastle to after be yeah yeah after we'd watched the game it was like not only have we finished empty handed from that but we're full on we've got nothing to offer perhaps I don't know perhaps it's because the sun's shining today and I've got the, the punk IPI and the go again but I'm clutching a little bit to try and find some encouragement out of tonight and, and I found some and the thing that I found was Villa will concede a goal Villa will find a, that's not the positive by the way Villa will find a way to concede a goal but I felt for the most part other than, than that kind of very very kind of lax moment of defending I thought they, they defended fairly fairly solidly but I actually thought they showed some kind of attacking intent for, for the first time both in the lineup when um, Smith's named two wingers and we'll come to those I'm sure in a while but the fact that he, he's decided that, that Jack does need to move inside um, to, to influence the game more he's changed it he's done something differently he's made a positive change Villa have produced a more positive performance and are, I think the biggest thing is I don't think they could have come away there with empty handed that would have been a real kind of a kick in the gonad so I think the fact that They've shown a little bit of spirit, a little bit of character to not only summon up the summon up the energy um, and the endeavour to to get an equaliser, but to almost kind of knock on the knock on the door to try and win it late on. So that's what I'm that's what I'm kind of hanging my hat on. I know it's not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough to to scrape points here and there. But look at the league table, which I'm scrolling down on my laptop now. Villa aren't cut adrift. And from what I've seen of the glimpses of the teams around them, the teams around them are, are equally um, equally poor. But do we think our running is worse than theirs, though? I think so. But if they get no points, <laughs> if they get no points from theirs <laughs> as well, do you know what I mean? I, I think if the Villa would have lost that game, I think uh, my kind of morale would have been on the floor. Uh, and I don't really want to think too far ahead to Saturday against Wolves because I do think it's going to be a mismatch and I think Villa are going to have to crank up another couple of levels to even stay in the game against Wolves but I think if we're just looking at that match 
compared to the match that went before, I think there was improvements there. Do you think that we've looked kind of generally better post-lockdown than we were before? We're on a horrible run, aren't we? We're on a horrible run of games. So, but if I, I know, but the fixtures just don't get any easier, though, no, do they? No, but are Villa better than pre-lockdown? I think it's pretty much the same, if I'm being honest. Well, what I would say was the last time I saw Aston Villa play in the flesh, they didn't play too badly on either of those occasions. Dean Smith was under massive pressure tonight to try and influence things a bit further up the field to make Villa look like they could score a goal. But we know the reality is if Villa don't score two goals, they don't win a football match because um, they will concede a goal. Even in a solid performance what, that, that I thought today, I thought that the back four looked pretty decent and I thought they got good protection. Um, listen, Newcastle weren't. <laughs> it wasn't the most important match that Newcastle United have ever played. But I thought Villa looked, looked, looked okay defensively, but they'll still throw in a goal. They'll still, they'll, they'll still concede a goal. And it, it was such a shoddy goal to concede. You know, Dwight Gale has just come on. There's every single Villa fan in the world, watching from wherever they're watching, thinking, he's going to score. Well, listen, who knows? Villa might, it might have been a nil-nil. Villa might not have had the impetus to go up the other end and score anyway if, if Dwight Gale hadn't scored. But I just think in terms of kind of being, being architects of your own downfall, Villa, Villa always find a way, don't they? The thing is as well, like the amount of kind of opportunities we get and that we make and we have to I don't know whether you said it or James said it we, we, every opportunity we make we have to fight so hard for and then Newcastle can take a throw in from the halfway line and somehow score from that like, how is that fair how are we at such a poor level that they can take a, a pretty meaningless throw in that I mean for, for Villa's throw ins we barely even get to keep possession when we have our own throw ins whereas we let Newcastle take on from the halfway line Andy Carroll pings it around his feet and, and holds up play and three or four players seem to get dragged over to him for some reason and then Dwight Gale's left one-on-one and he's literally just come on straight away first touch and scores like that's such a sloppy sloppy goal to give away and it's so preventable at so many different occasions surely closing down the first man from a throw-in from on the halfway line means that that goal never happens we're not gonna have a massive amount of time to dwell on this so whether it's a positive point and and a you know a turning point or or whether it's just a another winless game that that sends us on the 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 road to championship obscurity I don't know but I personally would like to just cling on to a crumb of comfort just while we can that, that Aston Villa didn't lose that match I mean that's a depressing statement isn't it it is but it's where it's where we're at isn't it it's where we're at I mean look at that look at that league table and I, I, people have been saying to me it's going to go down to West Ham on the final day of the season it's going to go down to West Ham and I was like no 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 it'll be done and dusted by then we'll be, we'll be well gone by then but I'm looking at it and obviously, like you say, the teams around Villa, we think have got kind of fixture lists, but it could go, couldn't it? It could go all the way to then. Yeah, 100%. I said in the last episode to James about, you know, we've had, we've got 10 games left, or, well, you know, whenever this was, we had 10 games left, nine games left to get 20, no, where are we? 10 points. Yeah, so we basically needed just over a point per game, right? And I was saying, well, you know, there's 24 points still left to play for. We need to get 10 out of 24. That doesn't sound that difficult. And someone rightly said in the YouTube comments, we've only got two points from the last 25 points or whatever from from the previous run that we're on, which is a very fair point that you kind of, because you don't play football for so long, you kind of forget how bad we are. And you just look at it, you look at it and think, oh, 10 out of 24 points, that's that's pretty doable. And then you look at our fixture list and our current run of form and you think, oh yeah, well, 10 in 24 is basically impossible. So where, where does that bias come from, I guess? And that's just kind of blind optimism and hope that we'll, we, oh, surely we can scrape 10 points out of somewhere, surely. And then you get 
get two points out of two games where you probably needed to get four at least and then you've got Wolves, Liverpool, Man United, Arsenal, don't, Everton. Don't, don't, don't. It's, it's rough. Like, where are those points coming from? I, I hate to say it and I hate to be negative about it because you do want to hold on as far as you can and if it does come down to the last day and you beat West Ham and stay up and absolutely happy days, I'll be all for that. But you look at it now and you look ahead and that run of fixtures does not look kind and I'm, I'm now very, very worried. People have spoken about Dean Smith's substitutions, haven't they, in recent weeks? And we know we know it's seventy minutes gone on the clock because the board comes up for for El Ghazi and Trezeguet comes on. Um, but it's just weird that that kind of I saw people, a few people tweeting when Elmo went on, thinking, "Oh, great, you know, positive positive move there, Dino." And I know he'd already made changes by then, but and then Elmo conjures up the winner, and I just I think it's a layer. I think he's probably the winner. The win- steady on. <laughs> Look, see, it feels like a winner. <laughs> it feels like a winner. We've been that starved. But it's, um, you know, he can just, I think he's shot straight to the top of um, Steve Bruce's transfer wish list now, Elmo, where he's always been for all of his life. What do you think of that, that change in formation then? Let's talk about, or not change in formation, change in personnel and then a change in formation later on in the game. We start with those two wingers playing at last and Jack moves back centrally. And for the most part, we look much better. Well, some, there were some good chances, wasn't there? They started with, with a little bit of, p- of a purpose, I think. And I think the team sheet kind of highlighted that. And then, you know, there was Tre- Trezeguet. Has he ever, ever struck a ball cleanly? Oh, um, mate, he should have scored that. So he's got, to, he's got to bury that. And I think they were comparing it to the um, Chelsea's, Chelsea's goal, weren't they, on, on Saturday, sneak, sneaking at the far post. And Whereas their, their guy, Pusely, manages, manages to um, steer an awkward bouncing ball into, into the net. We've got uh, Trezeguet who blazes it blazes it over uh, and then you know so he's he's at least been there to provide the threat and then Al Ghazi's whipped the ball in hasn't he for um, for Samata those are good chances for a team that, that doesn't create much you're putting, you've got to make sure that you're clinical because you're not going to get you're not going to get five or six or seven eight, eight good chances you're not going to be Man City you carve teams open at will you're going to have to capitalise on those, those little moments even against the lesser Premier League teams or, or the, the Premier League teams like Newcastle don't don't any longer have much to play for they're still going to kind of games are still going to ebb and flow and they're still going to get their their opportunities and it was just I don't know I thought I thought they were, they were strong like I said for, for half an hour but this this sounds like the kind of Trezeguet El Ghazi bashing from me okay it's hindsight but would Villa have been better adding the transfer fees from Trezeguet and El Ghazi into one winger <laughs> who was going to yeah. deliver a little bit more consistently? If again we're looking, we're looking for positives. Smith's changes paid off because Villa got back into the game. Maybe, maybe Douglas Louise was the training ground player that Dean Smith was hinting about because he seems to have stepped up a notch. Uh, I think in terms of his attitude as well, he, he seems to be kind of quite tigerish as well, as well as having a little bit of class um, when he's in possession. So I think I think he's he's probably the um, he's probably what you'd call the the silver lining of a cloudy return back to um, to Premier League football for Villa, which probably you know if he, if he keeps improving at the rate he, has, he is, then Man City's buyback clause will seem like shrewd business from them, won't it? Let's talk about that midfield a little bit because when the news was first kind of mentioned that football was going to be coming back at some point and we were all going, oh my God, well, John McGinn will be fit by the time that comes back. What, what a massive lift that will be. So far, and I know it's because he's had his injury, he's not been the same John McGinn of 
before his injury and before lockdown and he's not had the impact that we'd hoped he would yet but Douglas Luiz is a player that was kind of hot and cold before this and he's really stepped up like you said during this time and he's been kind of the bonus player that we we didn't have before it's probably silly wasn't it to kind of hope too much or to expect too much from John McGinn because he has had a serious injury and not played so for us all to look at it and go well he's back for 10 games so that's good he'll clearly make a massive difference he hasn't because it's, it's a tough injury to come back from, whereas Douglas Ruiz has stepped up and, and has kind of surprised a few people. And now with Jack back in the centre again as well, especially in the second half, that looks like the midfield trio that we're probably going to get the most out of. Having said that, when when Harahan came on, he looked pretty effective as well for the little 15-minute cameo he had. I was amazed that McGinn started tonight. Although having said that, I actually thought for the first 15 or 20 minutes when, when Villa were trying to force the issue, I thought it's probably some of the best that we've seen of him tonight. Oh yeah, don't, don't get me wrong, he's definitely getting better as time goes on, but he's not kind of coming back, scoring goals and keeping Aston Villa up, is he like we all thought the impact he might have? But I, I've got a theory, I think McGinn's saving himself for the last game of the season when we fluke a 1-0 lead against West Ham and then for the rest of the game he runs runs the, the width of the pitch to keep the ball in the corner. <laughs> I think he's going to keep keep doing that. The, the thing that encouraged me tonight, and again, like I say, it's probably a little bit of clutching on my behalf, but against Chelsea, the Chelsea back four could have got the deck chairs out for probably the most, most of the game. Whereas against Newcastle tonight, there was a sign. I mean, listen, in our heart of hearts, we probably didn't think that Villa were going to, that Villa were going to win that game at the end. But there was a sign that, that Newcastle were kind of hanging on a little bit. You know, he, you know, the goalie wasn't pulling off kind of worldies left, right and centre. We weren't rattling the bar and stuff like that. But there was a sign that Villa were, if anybody was going to win it, Villa were. So I think we just got to take what we can from it, really. Because, you know, it's been... I think I tweeted this morning that, you know, it seems a long time ago. We were looking forward to football being back. And then it came back and you thought, oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, I think I tweeted something after the after the Chelsea game saying, "Oh, just forget it. I don't, I don't want football back anymore. Can it can it go back, please?" We know that it, it it's worth you know 150 million quid to stay in the Premier League, but the consequences of not being in the Premier League mean that you change the manager, you change all his backroom staff, you have another. 10 players who the new manager doesn't like so you've got those and okay they're not going to be on as fat contracts as, as we've had previously and you'd think there'd be some kind of relegation clauses that are inserted as well but you have that, that upheaval again at a time when Dean Smith was brought in as the manager to, to lay down some proper foundations you know we've spoken about Villa being a club that could almost have this sounds like a proper kind of um, bleep this sounds like a proper thing to say like the Villa way you know, we thought that, that this was the time where Villa... <laughs> the Villa engine. Remember the that? Villa engine, yeah, bloody hell. That's spluttered <laughs> on the hard shoulder somewhere with uh, Keith Warren and Steve Round and uh, Tony Jarre kind of lifting up the bonnet, trying to think, see what, what's gone on. We hoped when Villa got Dean Smith in, Dean Smith del- delivered promotion and new owners and Christian Perslow spoke about kind of these visions. We hoped that they were going to build something lasting. That doesn't happen if you suddenly go back to the drawing board again and Villa suddenly become a kind of a quick fix football club again. Um, and I just think, like I say, I think, think the, the consequences of it are, are kind of very far-reaching. I don't think, we've said this before, I don't think that means that you stay with Dean Smith through whatever, if Villa are appalling. And, but I, I do think that you need to decide what do you want this club to be? Do you want them to be a kind of 
boom and bust club or do you want them to be, be set on a steady footing that even if we decide that the head coach does move on kind of every two or three years that you've got a way that the next head coach can fit in and, and pick up and do the job with the players that have got rather than you know having what we had last summer and I know it wasn't because of change of manager it was just because circumstances you don't want to be a turnaround of players like that at that level every summer because you don't build anything so the easy solution is to stay up in the Premier League this year, isn't it? It's a solution. I wouldn't say it's an easy solution. No, it's easy. Just just got to win four games that are basically impossible. We're going to have to talk about these fixtures in like three or four days' time anyway with the way that football is rolling around so quick. So let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. It's Wolves next. I'm, I'm scared of Wolves. Do you share that, that fear? I think um, the thing with Wolves is not only are they an exceptional team and they've, they've done kind of what we're moaning about Villa for not doing, about having that consistency and only kind of tweaking their team if they know they're going to bring in two or three players that are going to be an improvement on what they've got. But I think it's because they've come from nowhere and there's almost this kind of faux rivalry that was created when Villa and Wolves were in the championship and, you know, kind of Bruce, Bruce, he kind of had a pop, didn't he, at the way that they were set up with Fosun and, and, and George Mendes and and then Villa, it was it was revealed that Villa weren't exactly kind of uh, didn't really have their own house in order financially and that kind of thing. So it's kind of, and because you know, like me and you, kind of live black countryside, there tends to be more Wolves fans in my vicinity than there does kind of Blues fans, to be honest. So, and they're kind of they really are the noisy neighbours. Uh, so it doesn't really bear thinking about that a Villa a Villa team desperate for points to to kind of try and claw the way out of danger and a Wolves team that are desperate for points to try and kind of gate crash the Champions League oh, what mate. kind of mismatch is that it only <laughs> seems know. like yesterday that Jamie O'Hara and Roger Johnson and, and all those kind of people were kind of heaping shame on Wolves as they tumbled from the Premier League to League One and you know it was kind of as we'd always expected it to be then all of a sudden Wolves become this force and kind of Villa are trying to cling on to to hang on to the coattails. So I want Saturday. I want Saturday here and gone. I hope Steve Wollaston, our colleague, has stopped listening to this podcast since lockdown because he's going to be loving this bit. He'll be straight on WhatsApp once he's seen this. Going, hey, look at you two praising at Wolves. He's just um, he's just upset that we haven't haven't brought him on to to, to speak nonsense <laughs> with us. Uh, but yeah, so I think I'd take a point on Saturday. Oh, hundred percent. 100%. It's, it's one of those, isn't it? The, you now look at the fixture list again on paper and, and look at how difficult each game is and think, oh, nothing there, no points there, no points there. So anything you get is a bonus now and you're you're seriously looking at those handful of games, Palace, Everton and West Ham, as having to win all three to stand any chance of staying up. So the pressure is absolutely on Villa now and you just hope that first of all they win the games you expect them to win and if we get a cheeky draw against an Arsenal or a Man United that you very, you very much don't expect then that's enough to see Villa over the line and obviously the teams around you keep keep losing as well but it's just a horrible position to be in having to keep checking other fixtures wow, what did Bournemouth do tonight what did Norwich do what did Watford do it's like, I don't care I don't want to be looking at these other teams or what they're doing I, I just wish Villa were good enough to get themselves out of trouble and, and do their own job rather than having to rely on other people it's a grim situation but like you said that's, that's the reality of it and, and that's where we are now and roll on the end of the season <laughs> Should we wrap it up then? Because I am sweltering in this room and I've put this shirt on because I like, I like to wear something Villa related on the podcast and I've put this on and I'm I'm really, really hot. So I'll be happy to call this podcast a day and we'll be back in 
three days, is it? We play Saturday. We play Saturday lunchtime, don't we, against Wolves. So we might, if we're lucky, regardless of the results, obviously we've got to do a podcast anyway, that podcast might be out Saturday night if we record it straight after yeah, full time. We'll get it we'll get it done and get it gone. It's an early kickoff. I just wanted to make a point about that that top that you're wearing at the Go moment, on. which I've seen it. I'm not convinced it actually is a genuine top. I think it's like no, some I'm- kind of I think it's like some kind of knockoff off Blackheath Market from kind of, <laughs> you know, 1989 or something like that. Yeah, you it's know. weird. I've, it's Hummel and it's got the round badge on it, number five, and it's got McGraw on the back. I will i won't show you here because I'm sat down, but I've put a clip in of it, uh, it here. I, mean, I don't really care, to be honest, if it's not legit. It's still nice. I still quite like it, but it's very, it's very kind of thick and warm and it must be about, well, it isn't now, but it, I think it was 30 degrees at some point today, so... The sooner we wrap this up and, and go, <laughs> the better for me, because it's just too hot in here. Anyway, um, shall I sign off? Yeah, go on, you can do it. Why not? Okay. Um, yeah, these <laughs> podcasts are coming along at a rapid rate. Uh, if only we got as many Premier League points as we had podcasts, but we'll be back again after the Wolves game. We're not cut adrift yet. There's still reasons for hope and we'll be we'll be with you every twist and turn and glorious moment and depressing failure so cheers for your support and until next time up the blooming villa thank you for listening to claret and blue an aston villa podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode until then up the villa